0: hello i'm rajan dominari and welcome to another episode of dominant desires the podcast a podcast where you can get bdsm information relationship advice and more Today I'll be talking about E.L. James's erotica series, Fifty Shades of Grey, and the problems with people thinking that BGSM actually works the same way it does in the books, which is a particularly dangerous thing. I also answer a listener's question about transitioning from submissive to slave. There is a lot to cover in this episode, so let's get started. Love it or hate it, Fifty Shades of Grey is a real thing, and as cringeworthy as E.L. James's Erotica Trilogy is, there isn't a whole lot that can be done about it. I've been asked on more than one occasion about my thoughts on the series, so I figured that it was a good topic for an episode, and here we are. Now, for loads of people, women in particular, the Fifty Shades series was influential in their wanting to learn more about the BDSM lifestyle, which is great because I'm all for people embracing their kinky sides. However, there is a lot wrong with the books, and the problem isn't that Fifty Shades is unrealistic because, frankly, there are plenty of unrealistic books out there. The problem is that people believe that this is how BDSM actually works, and that's just bloody dangerous. Because there was, and still is actually, loads of damage being done to those wanting to learn more about this lifestyle, because some people took that shit as gospel, especially after the movies came out. Now the books created an onslaught of wannabe dominants and predators alike, with some blokes watching it and thinking to themselves, this is what I need to do or others figuring that they could get into someone's knickers simply because the person said that they were submissive. The the books also unleashed a lot of women that realized exactly how bored with their partners they were. Uh, For example, uh, there was, there was an episode I saw uh, years ago. I'm, Uh, I believe it was a Steve Harvey show. There was a woman who wanted her husband to be more like Christian gray or so she thought Um, when Steve dressed her husband in a suit and had him speak to his wife, like Christian gray would his wife wasn't having it. Uh, She, she seemed more put off and confused than anything. And I personally think it's, because he was pretending to be something he wasn't and even if his wife was a submissive that side of her wasn't necessarily going to resonate with him you know like minds you, you know so this is an example of how dominance are born not created and before you say anything i'll explain this by saying that dominance have natural inclinations that make them what they are and they can be taught how to better embrace and exude those inclinations and um, not because not because they dominate a conversation have a bossy attitude about them or have a tendency to control things in a bedroom or operate a billion dollar fucking corporation i mean those things do not or dominant make because I have met some people that have had these traits and they're all fucking submissives or switch types. And before you ask what these natural inclinations are, I'll, I'll definitely not be explaining them simply because I would effectively be telling posers how to be something they're not and I will have none of that. Now, overall, the Fifty Shades series, um, it's gone on to create a fuck ton of confused submissives, wannabe dominance, and predatory fuckboys. Um, personally, I think wannabe, I think wannabe dominance and predatory fuckboys are synonymous, actually, yeah, just saying. Um... Well, all right, I think I've said about enough, so I'm going to go ahead and um, get you all sorted as best I can. I know a lot of you, like I said, have wondered what I thought about the books, and to be to be honest, I really only read the first book, which was fucking hell, that was enough for me. So back in 2009. Uh, London television executive Erica Leonard, she began writing fan fiction on a website that was devoted to Stephanie Meyer's Twilight series, because who, who doesn't like freaky vampires, right? Anyway, uh, the stories started becoming popular, so Leonard, who later took the pen name E.L. James, moved the those stories to their own website which is the now um, I believe it was called uh, 50shades.com but it doesn't exist anymore so don't look for it uh, in 2011 an Australian publisher called the uh, right I believe it's, let me see the writers coffee shop publishing house fucking hell that's a bloody mouthful um began producing those stories as novels and by the time uh, Random House bought the rights to the stories or the novels in 2012 word of mouth had already spread and the week the first book in the series went on sale it hit number one on the New York Times bestseller list was actually impressive I'm not not even going to lie about that So in the seven years since Random House started publishing the books, they've sold well over 100 million copies worldwide and 45 million of those sales came from the United States alone. Now, just for a bit of comparison, uh, the last big thing for Random House before Fifty Shades of Grey was um, Stig Larsen's 2011 novel Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, which took four years to sell 20 million copies. Fifty Shades of Grey did that in four months. And during its peak, two copies of the book were sold every second, which is fucking crazy to be completely honest, but it does show that there are a lot of fucking horny housewives in the world. Now, I'm not gonna say that that is, I'm not gonna say that that is not fucking impressive. That is astounding. Um, And I am admittedly more than a bit jealous simply because I want my book to do just as well. Um, Yes, seriously, no, buy my fucking book. And speaking of fucking books, see what I did there? Let's get into my problems with the series. Now let me start this by saying that Christian Grey is at the base level a stalker, and abuser, plain and simple, because shortly after meeting her, Christian Grey shows up at Anastasia Steele's job, even though I'm sure there are plenty of other hardware stores in Seattle, and I'll be the first to admit, there's nothing immediately wrong with doing that because if you're interested in someone you might want to go have a chat you know ask him out to dinner you know coffee what have you um, but there's a fine line between being interested and being a bloody stalker like I said he stalks Anastasia at her place of work traces her cell phone and follows her to her hometown turns up unannounced when she's out with her mum just to drag her back to Seattle with him in the second movie uh. He actually stalks her again at not show after they'd broken up, where he convinces her to get back back together with him. She's stupid for doing that. Anyways, uh, but he goes on to steal her financial information. He buys the company she works for and uh, takes her to meet the woman who sexually abused him and mutilated him as a child. So what the actual fuck? none of that shit is the least bit romantic it's it's actually just fucking creepy and if you don't think it's creepy then you got a whole different set of problems that you should probably get sorted now i've seen things like this in a lot of unhealthy and abusive relationships and personally you should definitely stay away from people like that because they're not capable of love in my opinion at, at least not in the capacity that you you probably need you know their whole way of viewing relationships is is rather selfish and it's more about their getting a high from the control rather than any kind of genuine love now in the in the first in, in the first film um anastasia asked christian to punish her by showing her, you know just to show her how bad it can get and while there is pain involved um sometimes when you in in play sessions um a dominant a dominant uh, or play partner that, that's not they're not there to injure you um we we're, we're not disconnected from that you know we're not disconnected from the from the you know, the feeling of pain, you know, so you, you think of it, you know, as a bit of a contrast without some sort of um, vulnerability or tenderness, you, you really can't have any discipline or control. Now, unfortunately, not, not all people that say that they're dominance are good people. As a matter of fact, there are some, just to say, just some bad predatory people that do exist in this lifestyle now and these people who they 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 get involved in BDSM because they 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 are inclined to abuse others um and just remember this lifestyle is about exploring fantasies and in a lot of cases it's about exploring the opposite of what you are in real life and you know it it worked out well in the books because it's it's a it's a fucking work of fiction, you know. It, it, it's it's not real, you know. Um, and just because it worked out well for Christian Grey and Anastasia Steele doesn't mean that it's going to fucking work out for everybody. Now, another one of the things I think Fifty Shades misses out on is the actual emotional connection between christian gray and anastasia especially when they're engaging in the ds part of their relationship now i don't know if it's because of the way el james wrote the character or if it's because of the way that jamie Dornan played christian gray but the problem with it is that dominants don't actually lack emotion they're they're not fucking vulcans and if you don't know what a if you don't know what a bloody Vulcan is, then then you're dead to me. But going back, uh, Anastasia and Christian don't they don't have that emotional connection that that those of us involved in this lifestyle should have, because both love and affection are very important parts of BDSM relationships, huge parts, as a matter of fact. And these aspects are all but lost in, in Fifty Shades. Uh, because on more than one occasion in both the books and the film, uh, films, plural, Christian actually withholds affection from Anastasia at, at times when she needs it most. And to me, it seems like Christian is playing a role and completely forgets to be a fucking human being, which is, of course, what leads to the connection between he and Anastasia being lost. Apparently, Christian's cold behavior is traced back to um, both a traumatic childhood and his early sexual relationship with a much older woman. But see, this explanation is problematic as well because the series conflates Christian's traumatic past with his sexual preferences, which maintains the common misconception that people who are involved in BGSM are somehow damaged. A lot of people who have been abused do get into BGSM, you know, it actually helps them to break free of that, that traumatic past and actually helps them to break free of that conditioning, but it has to be done with intelligence and communication, and there's a severe lack of intelligence in these stories. Now, speaking of communication, there seems to be a fuck ton of it missing from both the book and the film. When people meet someone new, they they usually engage in, in conversations with them over a period of time to find out if the person is even on their level or not. Um, this, this is, as it should be, all the more true for people involved in BGSM. Now, outside of a few conversations and that ridiculous contract scene, Christian didn't really have a conversation with Anastasia. Because if he had, he would have discovered that it wasn't like she was really interested in exploring her sexuality. He basically says, you know, come into this room and she goes through the doorway and sees a dungeon. Now, most people would have run away in real life and no dominant that knew what they were doing would actually take someone who wasn't into BGSM and try to change them like he did people like anastasia get into bgsm in small steps when on their own so if the story had been about anastasia's discovering bgsm then meeting someone like christian it would have actually made a lot more sense however this story is about a girl that's fallen in love find out the guy is basically a sadist and then tries to immerse herself in that world which isn't realistic. Now, saying this, I I have seen it happen and I've I've heard, you know, stories from a lot of submissives that have said that it has happened to them. You know, but in most cases it just ends in a traumatizing lake of tears for them. And so while this is while this is not realistic, it's Definitely a reality. So a little bit ago, I mentioned the contract scene, which I found ridiculous. But I do want to talk about it, especially for those of you that don't understand the whole BGSM contract thing. Now, what I found rather irritating with the story was the way the contract Anastasia signs seems to be treated like it's legally binding or something which is absolutely mad um now of course there are some legally binding contracts in relationships like marriages um marriage involves things like taxes power of attorney inheritances it's a legitimate legal document but a bgsm contract absolutely not bgsm contracts are never legal in any sense it's simply a list of guidelines and nothing more furthermore it's a list of guidelines that are open to renegotiation at any time even in the middle of a scene so if you're in the middle of a play session and happen to safe word in the middle of the scene the scene stops period the dominant can't say no no in paragraph 14.1 section b you agree to this dodgy thing i'm doing so sucks to be you that's not hard works at all, not 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 in the slightest. And any dominant who who isn't an actual abuser is fully aware that the that play sessions are built around the submissive. You know, the dominant is, of course, the person that drives the scene, obviously, but if the submissive says, "Stop, that's it. They gotta stop. the session's over. Now this of course, only extends to scenes outside of this. Like I mentioned in my book, you may have heard or read something akin to the submissive having the power in a DS relationship. And this is totally true, but only in two areas of a DS relationship, Um, the negotiation phase and the the power exchange. Anyway, uh, the problem with Fifty Shades is that people will look at this and they'll believe that the way... Christian Grey does it is how it's supposed to work. And I will tell all of you, nothing he did to Anastasia fell under anything consensual coercive, maybe manipulative, manipulative, definitely. But um, uh, consensual, absolutely not. So if you if you feel like you're, you're being forced into something, you you got to ask yourself, you know, why? And then ask the other person. I want you to remember that you are worth getting to know and you should feel like you're being valued. And I'll say that again. You are worth getting to know and you should feel like you're being valued. You're not someone's ruddy plaything, you know, as soon as you meet them. So don't allow yourself to be treated like you are. But moving on. Uh, Christian spins the whole of the first movie not only pressuring Anastasia into signing a binding contract for their relationship but also proceeding to go ahead with the sex and the bondage and everything else without even waiting for her to sign it and this is a total violation of boundaries by the way um Christian is is basically you know he's being a superfluous dick who happens to get away with it simply because he's a good looking rich guy and anastasia is she's actually just sold on the idea that she's in love with this guy you know that he may be a nice man so she's so she's doing whatever he wants and that's subjugation that's not submission Really fast, I I want to bring another point to light. Anastasia was a virgin at the start of the book, right? So how the actual fuck was she supposed to be making solid consent-based choices when she had never even had sex before, in any capacity? Even if someone fantasizes about things like being flogged, paddled, chained chained to a bed and choking on a dick of you, uh, for example, uh, they, they may not actually like those things in real life. So how does any of this align with informed consent at all? Anyways, I'm going to sum this up by saying that if Fifty Shades is your guilty pleasure, then that's fine but if it's inspiring you to explore bgsm do keep in mind that most lifestylers especially those of us that have been around a while generally criticize 50 shades of gray as being miserably inaccurate i honestly i don't think el james had a huge amount of real life experience when she wrote the books and The stories were likely just her fantasies as to what BGSM or being in a DS relationship actually entails. And if they weren't her fantasies, then I think that she probably hasn't had good experiences in her life regarding BGSM. So at best, Fifty Shades of Grey has helped to make B-grade erotica and R-rated porn a bit more acceptable. Uh, I'll actually accept that the books and movies probably created a kind of, you know, uh, sex in the suburbs type of thing for loads of middle-aged women that needed to put some spark in their otherwise mundane lives. But by no means is Fifty Shades of Grey an original story. It's been done before, and it's been done a lot better. As a matter of fact, if you get a chance... I, I think there's a few films you should check out, um, notably Belle du Jour, Bitter Moon, and one of my absolute favourite films, Secretary, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. I'll be back after this message.
1: To many, the BDSM lifestyle is a complex world that is difficult to navigate and intimidating to understand, but it doesn't have to be. Welcome to the Dark Side. A BDSM Primer is an informative, entertaining, and easy-to-understand book that seeks to give anyone interested in BDSM better insight into what the lifestyle entails. From meeting others within the lifestyle to learning how to spot fakes or predators, experience personal freedom and explore increased intimacy as you gain clarity on your deepest, most un Desires, authored by Rajan Dominari, BDSM educator and founder of Dominant Desires. The book is available on Amazon.com in Kindle and paperback formats. Get yourself a copy today and delve into the pleasurable and unparalleled world of BDSM.
0: Here's a message I got from Rachel in New Mexico. Rachel says, I would love to know more about the transition from submissive to slave. Well, Rachel, let me start by saying that at the base level, transitioning from submissive to slave really just lies in the in the amount of control you're willing to give up. And if your answer to that isn't all of it, then you probably shouldn't be doing it at, at, at all, actually. um. I'm going to explain what a submissive and a slave are based on what I've been taught. And I'll also explain what they both have in common as they are similar but not equivalent. I might, I might actually address the subject a bit more in a future episode if you're interested though. So both submissives and slaves fall under the S-type category, and both identities have a deep need or desire to submit um, or give up uh, at least some part of their will or control to a dominant. Now, saying this, submissives need direction from their dominant, uh, and submissives are also molded by the dominant to please the dominant. They might even need... um, Uh, a lot of training you know with both reward and punishment simply to learn to obey um this is this is because the submissive's motivation or better yet the thing that drives them is not necessarily is not necessarily to obey it's to please now it can definitely be a combination of both but it lies heavier on the pleasing aspect of their being as far as slaves are concerned, some people seem to believe that being a slave is some sort of elevated version of a submissive. And despite what you may have heard, this is totally untrue. Well, well, it's true untrue. A- anyways, um, yeah, let me explain. So, simply put, a slave needs to obey and the thing that drives them is their overwhelming need to obey. A slave offers themselves fully and without reservation. Um, They might still need to be trained to know the needs and desires of their owner, but there is a devout willingness for them to do so. Uh, However, there are very, few people that fall into the, into this category and the ones that do have typically been where they're dominant for a very long time at the point that someone goes from being a submissive to a slave trust will have long been established limits and abilities would have already been discovered and a personal strength would have been developed in the submissive which would allow them to move to move to slavehood but i want you to keep in mind that um being someone's slave isn't it it isn't something you should go into lightly and like i said you know it takes years years to build up that kind of trust in someone's ability to be able to take care of you in that capacity And the younger the person saying they want you to be their slave, the further you should back the fuck away from them, because I can guarantee you that they have very little to no clue as to what the fuck they're doing. Now, if you're wanting to be a slave because you think yourself being in love with someone, that's... That's really not a good, good enough reason to attempt giving it a go, and the re- and the relationship will likely end up in a way that leaves you an emotional fucking wreck, and this is especially true if you, if you're in a pre-existing relationship, because because people in pre-existing relationships can't be slaves, and if you're already in an established relationship there's really nothing for the dominant to gain from being invested in you save your supposed servitude and they can find that anywhere if they look hard enough because I mean think about it they found you right so I hope this answers your question and I I'm just going to end things right here and say thanks for listening to today's episode of Dominant Desires, the podcast. Um, I really hope that something you heard in today's episode helps you out a bit and that you found it at least somewhat entertaining um don't forget to rate comment like and subscribe for more dominant desires the podcast episodes be sure to listen to me on spotify apple Podcasts, google podcasts or wherever you happen to listen to your podcasts um and i don't know if you know this but i have an instagram it's at rajandominari spelled r-a-j-a-n-d-o-m-i-n-a-r-i I usually post there about three times a day, so you might want to go and check it out and follow me there. Uh, With all this said, I'm really glad to have you as a listener, and I, I will definitely be back soon with another episode of Dominant Desires, the podcast, and I promise that it won't be eight months between episodes. Maybe one month, but definitely not eight I've been Rajan Dominari, and I'll talk to you all next time. Cheers.